Okay, I'm back. We should get started. Tonight's share I want to dedicate for David ben Nachsh ben Ben Shoshana. David Ben Shoshana should have a full Shalema Gemurah. So tonight's share again for David Ben Shoshana. And I also would like to dedicate it to a Rafur Shalema for Gershon David Ben Blima Sheva Elka needs a Rafur Shalema. Um, he's not been doing well already for two weeks, but then just a few hours ago things took a turn. And we really need to have him in mind. Please, Hashem, you should be for Shalema. Gershon David ben Blima Sheva Elka. And being that the Shir is all about miracles, may <coughs> we see a big, 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 big miracle for him. Okay. So, um, this is going to be from a talk. Usually we learn Lakuti Taira, Taira Ar. Um, now we're going to learn a sicha, a talk that Lubavitch Rebbe gave on Shabbos HaGadol, the last Shabbos HaGadol that we heard him physically speak, Ches Nisan, Tavshin Nunala 5751. It's a spectacular sicha, it's very special, very powerful. Now let me give a little bit of background. The Rebbe said this when he was, the, the Rebbe's birthday is going to be on Sunday, Yud Aleph Nisan. And in the Minog by Chsidim is that from it's it's a tradition from the Baal Shem Tov, and I spoke about it in the Monday Shir as well. So I spoke about it in the Monday Shir as well that um, we say a capital of Tehillim always every day of the year that we're in. So if you are uh, 18 years old, you will say chapter 19. And on your 18th birthday, you start chapter 19. On your 19th birthday, you start chapter 20. So chassidim um, have the minog, and in addition to their own chapter, people say the family members, it's children, your spouse, so on and so forth. Um, the chassidim um, have the minog to say also the Rebbe's capital. This, so that year, the Rebbe was reaching the age of 89, so they started saying Kapitel Tzadik. And um, so in this uh, talk, he's going to address Kapitel Tzadik and make a connection to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was 80 years old during the redemption. The redemption came through Pakoit Pakadati, through a pay. The Rebbe then was becoming 90 years old. The future redemption is going to be through the letter Tzadik, which stands for the, the, the secret of the, the future redemption is Tzemach Tzomachti. I've made the plant grow forth. So the Rebbe is talking about the why you need Moshe Rabbeinu. Why can't you have a geula without Moshe Rabbeinu? The power of the... In other words, the, the whole teichen of the sicha was the concept and the idea of what does the Redeemer's real role, what, what's, his, what's his real inyan in the whole power of the redemption? And particularly, he's connecting it to its capital, to chapter, to capital tzaddik, because that capital starts with tefillah l'Moshe Isha Elokim, a prayer for Moshe, who was a godly man. So he's going to discuss that idea of tefillah l'Moshe Isha Elokim. So let's read inside. That in halt from Chodesh Nisan, the Chodesh Agola, the content of Chodesh Nisan, which is the Chodesh of the redemption, 
it's in Yiddish, I'm going to translate it. The, the, uh, the, the, the month of Nisan is called the month of Geula, of redemption, because the main event of Chodesh Nisan is Chag Pesach, which Chag Pesach, the redemption came for the Jewish people, which is Manche Resein, with the time of our freedom. So that month, which is the month of redemption, is speziell interstrachen in the Shabbos Pesach, is specifically, specifically emphasized and highlighted the Shabbos before Pesach, which means the theme of Chodesh Nisan, that it's a miraculous month. It's a, it's a month that has the power of redemption because it's a miraculous month. Nisan, is, we're soon going to see, has two nuns in it. It has the word nase in it. It's two nuns in it. And the sages say, if you see a nun in a dream, you should wait for miracles. So since Nisan has nuns, it's all the power of miracles. And it has a special emphasis on this Shabbos, Shabbos Hagodel, Shabbos before Pesach. This year is very special because this year things are aligning. Mamish, there is a cosmic alignment that everything this year is exactly aligned with the first year when the Jews went out of Egypt, that it comes out also that um, Shabbos comes out on Yud Nisan. This Shabbos is going to be Yud Nisan, which was the same like when the Yidna went out of Egypt. And when they went out of Egypt, it was on a, on a Wednesday night. Gulas Mitzrayim happened on a Wednesday night. And Bezash Hashem this year as well. The Gugula Rishayna, Gula Achrayna which is first day Pesach is Thursday, which was then also that way. Nisan is Malashen Nes. Nisan, he says, is the word Nisan is from the word Nes, and Nachmer, and even more than that, Nisan, Mitzvei Nunin, since Nisan has two Nuns, it starts with the Nun and ends with the Nun, Bavaist of Nisei Nisim. As I mentioned earlier, Chazal say that if you see one Nun in a dream, expect miracles. If you see two Nuns in a dream, you can expect Nisei Nisim, miracles of miracles. Bavaist of Nisei Nis. The Nisim was Veniflois, was the Rebish that Ketan met Yidin in Dem Chaydish, in Dem Chaydish, Aris Nemig de Zeph in Mitzrayim. So it's referring to the big miracles that the Ebersh did with Jews in this month when he took them out of Egypt. Velchabatzaichen, the special Nisim de Gahanagaf in Dem Chaydish. What were the Nisei Nisim? Well, we know all the unbelievable things that happened, but, he know, but he's saying it has a special connection to this month because the month itself, the character of the month, it's a month of Nisim. In them Indian for Nisim, Nisim. Nachmerzim oistrik in Shabbos var Pesach. This Indian of not star miracle, but miracles, miracles of miracles, comes to a greater, to a greater manifestation on the Shabbos before Pesach. Fin velach has vet gebenched. My name is Baruch. The Yom Tov Pesach. We know the Zayar says that Shabbos is the source of blessing. And the entire week is blessed from Shabbos. So the upcoming week is blessed from Shabbos. That means that the real power of Pesach is already going to be there this Shabbos. The name is Baruch. So that's why, since Pesach is the time of the miracles, it's already, you have it already, and you found that the first time when Yidna were in the Mitzrayim, this Shabbos was a Shabbos of really powerful miracle. It's called Shabbos HaGadol. Because a big miracle happened on this Shabbos. What was the big miracle that happened in Shabbos? The Nes from Lamaka Mitzrayim Bivchoyreya. The miracle that we say in 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 uh, the capital of Hoydu. I think it's Kuflamid. It's not Kuflamid. Kuflamid Vav. I think it is. Yeah, Kuflamid Vav. It says Lamaka Mitzrayim that the one who beats the Egyptians Bivchoyreya through their firstborn. 
So this is not talking about what someone might think. It means that the that the Egyptian firstborn were were were, were killed, and that's what it means. That's what David Melech is singing, and he's saying Kila Yoylam Chaste because God's kindness is forever. It doesn't mean that. It means because then it would say that he killed the Bechorim of Egypt. It doesn't say that. He beat the Egyptians through their firstborn, which means that the firstborn of Egypt itself brought a plague on Egypt. What does that mean? What is the story? So the story is that when the firstborn of Egypt found out about the well, Moshe's warning that there was going to be the plague of the firstborn. They knew that Moshe Rabbeinu can be already what? Believed, we can take him for his word. He has already proven himself nine times accurately. So they got really scared. They knew they were going to die. So they came to Pharaoh, they came to Paro, and they asked for that Paro should should um, let, let Yidin go out of Mitzrayim. Paro and Paro refused. And they went out and they rioted. And it actually became, they revolted. And there was a civil war in Egypt. And that was the big miracle. The Egyptians themselves were campaigning for the release of the Jewish people. And, that, and that, uh, that's the big miracle that happened on Shabbat. When did it happen? Shabbat Sagan. Where he says, the Balatanya and the Shulchan Aruch explains, this is the miracle, because there are other places that pin the miracle of Shabbat Sagadal on something else that the Jewish people were told to take a lamb and tie it to their beds. And even though we did that, and it was considered the, the, uh, the deity of Mitzrayim, the Vodizar of Mitzrayim, yet they weren't able to stop it. The Egyptians were able to, you had to watch, they couldn't do anything. So that was considered the miracle. The, the, it, that says in other Mepharshim, the Altar Eben Shulchan Aruch doesn't bring that. He brings only the, this miracle. It seems to be for whatever reason that this is the Iker Inyan of Shabbos HaGod. They instituted it on Shabbos. That's why it's called Shabbos HaGadol. This is the big mer. And it's even more than this. Then, the, the, uh, the, the Alter Rebbe adds, in addition to this miracle that happened, in general, this was the beginning of the series of miracles that were, that, that, that uh, was so. Therefore, it's the be- this is the beginning of the geula. It's the beginning of the redemption and the beginning of the miracles. Fun yitzias mitzrayim of yitzias mitzrayim itself. As the far as akhmen b'shabazav adamayinu. That's why there is a minhag brought in shulchan aruch. And on this shabbos, we actually say the hagada. We don't say the whole hagada, but we start from avadamayinu from after the manishtana, and we say tulachaper al nafshoyseinu. That's like a little one passage after dayenu. Rabbi Gamliel says, if you don't say these three things, till there, you say, it's a nice chunk of the midsection of the Haggadah that we say on Shabbos Haggadah. And that's because we're already feeling the redemption. So we're, that's why we're already thanking for the redemption and saying the Haggadah. He's asking a simple question. Why is this such an important, significant miracle that the miracle that the Egyptians themselves, that the, that the, the Mitzrim were beaten by the Bechorim, by the firstborn, there are many miracles, and this is one of the miracles. Tzvardeya is not called a nez gadol, it's called a miracle. And and then and, and kinim or whatever, and shechin, it's not called a big miracle. It's called, even barad, which is like the hail that came, mixed fire and water, which was like unbelievable. Yet, it doesn't say anywhere it was a nez gadol. It's one of the miracles. 
And yet, Dafka, the Makkah Mitzrayim, which is kind of a natural thing, because it would be self-understood that the Egyptians, the firstborn, who were going to be targeted, were, were, were terrified. So of course they went to fight. So it's not like something beyond nature happened. So in what sense is it a Nez Gadol? And especially here, the Rebbe doesn't say it, but in another place he asked the question, it didn't even lead to anything, because in the end, this revolt was, was uh, put down. It was, uh, I don't know what's the word for it, it was uh, squashed, crushed. And the Jewish people did not go out of Egypt on that Shabbos or on Sunday. They had to wait till Thursday, till God actually did the Makas Bechores to take them out. So in what sense is this? It is bigger than all the other miracles. Why is this considered such a big nays? Because thus is, and so much so, that we say even more, this is considered the beginning of the beginning of the redemption and miracles. Why not Makas Choshech? Why, was not, why wasn't that the beginning of the redemption? Why only this? It seems at first glance that this is just another miracle that happened by Yitzhak Mitzrayim. We need to understand the connection of this miracle with the day of Shabbos. They, can, they instituted this, this nace for a remembrance and they made a dafka to happen on Shabbos. And they recall the Shabbos Agadol. It's He's quoting from, again, from the Shulchan Aruch. What's the question? Um, usually whenever a miracle happens, something good happens, the memory, the commemoration of this is usually set to be on the day of the month. I'm sorry, yeah, on the day of the month, whenever it happens. Purim happened on the 14th day of Adar, so the 14th day of Adar is Purim. And you see in Tzitz Mitzrayim itself, the exodus from Egypt happened on <coughs> the 15th of Nisan, so that's when Pesach is, yearly. So it is with everything. We don't say that since the Exodus happened on a Thursday, <coughs> then we make Pesach every year on Thursday. Okay, in April, in, in Nisan time, we should make it, make it on a Thursday. We don't do that. We make it uh, the day of the month. How come this <coughs> commemoration of Shabbos HaGadol is, we don't commemorate it every year the day that it happened, Yud Nisan. We put it, we do it on Shabbos. Now there's a reason for this. The sages say that the Chazal did not want to institute a special commem um, happy commemoration on Yud Nisan because Yud Nisan has an event that's, uh, that was a little bit uh, sorrowful and that is that we've we lost the Tzadikis Miriam. Miriam passed away on Yud Nisan. And that's why it kind of dampened the day so Chazal didn't want to take and make a zecher for the nace. We should celebrate. So he said, you know, we can't do it on Yud Nisan. So second best, we're going to see it was the Shabbos before Pesach. So let's always do it on the Shabbos before Pesach. That's the reason. But the Rebbe says there has to be a deeper thing. Torah, <coughs> customs in, in Judaism and, 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 and celebrations and so on and so forth, are so significant and so powerful that the time that they happen have to be super precise. Can't just be because we have a technical issue, so it's pushed off and moved around, and it's not being 
celebrate it in a proper manner. If it didn't belong on Shabbos, we wouldn't do it on Shabbos. You have to say that essentially it belongs on Shabbos. How did it work out that the sages would make it on Shabbos, even though it essentially belonged, belonged on this day? So Hashem orchestrated it that they couldn't make it on the day of the month, and they're going to have to make it on Shabbos because it really belongs to Shabbos. That's what he said. Knowing how precise the Torah is and how every minor detail is so significant. So you have to say that it really has a shachas. It has an inherent connection to the concept of Shabbos. Which so much so that the Shabbos is called Shabbos Agod. And to add, as the Sharkas Fenascholas Agulavanis Mitchabas Agodl is Nachmerbad Gosha Demyor. Now, to add to that, that the Sharkas, the connection of the beginning of the redemption and the, and, and the miracles with Shabbos Agodl, is even greater emphasized this year than their Ersh to Tug Pesach, was Yemultus Given the Gulav Itis Mitraim Bapoil, when the first day Pesach, which the Gulav of Mitraim actually happened, Kumtais Piyama Shabbos. This year, this is not happening, but the year the Rebbe did say this. This talk in 57, 51, the setting of the calendar was that Pesach fell out on Shabbos. So Shabbos HaGadol actually happened two days earlier than this year. This year it's taking place on Yud Nisan because our Pesach this year falls out on Thursday. So Yud Nisan is on Shabbos. That Shabbos then was Ches Nisan, right? And you had a whole week until Pesach. But <coughs> that year, since it was on Shabbos, you see more of the connection of Shabbos to, to the miracles of Pesach, because Pesach itself is going to be on a Shabbos. That's what he's saying. Okay. So, Beis. So, we start the second um, chapter. Einaf in the Yonam Ikriyam in Gulas Mitzrayim, in Tashtrachan and Torah, is one of the primary things about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, which is emphasized in the Torah. Thus, was the Geulas Geven, Darach Moshe Rabbeinu is the idea that the Geula came about through Moshe Rabbeinu. Ka'alam shal Yisrael, who is the redeemer of the Jewish people. the the relates to us at great length. The chose Moshe Rabbeinu to be the redeemer of the Jewish people. Even when Moshe Rabbeinu requested by God, please send someone else, <coughs> send your regular shliach, which is a whole bunch of interpretations who Moshe Rabbeinu meant to give over the shlichus to, that it should be done by someone else. Shem did not accept his petition. The Ebershter wanted Davka Moshe to be the shliach, which will redeem the Jewish people. The fun is moving from this, it's understood. From here it's understood that Moshe Rabbeinu has a deep connection to Geyula. In the far hot Davka er bekoyach, From all this you see, in other words, what he's saying is, that um, that we find <coughs> Moshe wanted to excuse himself, and God wouldn't have it. No matter Moshe it says Moshe argued seven days with Hashem. No matter what he's, whatever argument Moshe gave God, God insisted. No, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you. It's a sign that it had to be Moshe. It could not be anybody else. Um, and see why? Because you have to say that Moshe, because of who he is has a deep connection to the Giyula, and he brings over here in the R19, it so says in the Medrash, Moshe that Moshe was predestined for the redemption. From the very beginning of his, be, of his creation, he was created to be 
to be at, to be, to be the redeemer. Is the way the makeup of his soul, the way he will soon see, was that he should be that he can facilitate the redemption. No one else can do it. He can do it. <coughs> um, it wasn't like that. Hashem, you know, was kind of desperate because, as the pasuk seems to describe, that the Jewish people suddenly cried out and God said, "Oh, you out! I forgot you guys. You know, <laughs> I forgot you guys in the toaster. You're they're getting burnt already. That's what was going on. It got so terrible. <laughs> he said, "Oh, let me do something." Who's there? And he looked around and he sees this nice shepherd. He says, "Oh, he's he's my man." That's not what happened. What happened was that the Abish Lachatchila brought about Moshe Rabbeinu to be the one. And he even adds in Ara 17 that even though in the end we see that Hashem sent Moshe and Aaron together, but he says Aaron is not, even though Aaron is the assistant, Aaron was not crucial to the redemption like Moshe. Aaron, because Aaron did, wasn't the one who made it happen, even though uh, in terms of quality and of holiness and, and greatness, Aaron is considered equal to Moshe. We find that Rashi says that in more than one place, but, or at least in one place in the Parshas Ve'era. But in terms of the messenger to redeem the Jewish people, one person, and that was Moshe. Why? He says, first of all, Aaron was only the interpreter. He had to, because Moshe was, had some kind of a speech impairment, so Aaron was the one who had to give it over to, to, <coughs> to Paro. And another thing that I says, had Moshe Rabbeinu not insisted that he can't speak, that Aaron wouldn't even have gone. And Moshe would have done the whole job and he would have gotten through to Paro. And that's why Hashem, when Moshe Rabbeinu argued, I can't speak, the first answer that God answered him was not take your brother Aaron. First answer was, who gave man a mouth? I gave a human being a mouth. I'm giving you a mouth to, to uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to empower you to, to, to be able to speak to Paro. But when Moshe still said, Shlach Tishlach, so then Hashem said, okay, you know what, I'll send Aaron. You see that Aaron was very secondary in this mission. Um, so, business Chazal Zogin of Moshe, now Moshe Rabbeinu is so rooted in redemption, and he's so essential to redemption, that even the future redemption cannot be without Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu is the first redeemer, Moshe Rabbeinu is the last redeemer. Moshe is even called the final redeemer. Even regarding the future redemption, from Golas from this latter Golas, was with Zainai they Moshiach to Kenu, which is going to be through Moshiach. Regarding Moshiach, it says, regarding the future redemption, it says, as you went out of Mitzrayim, I will show you wonders. So there's the as means it'll be a big deal, like when you went out of Mitzrayim, it's spectacular, and when you go out of it, uh, but there's a comparison, and it's also compared in the idea, the same redeemer that was there will be. When Mashiach comes, as we discussed many times, it doesn't mean in the physical. Moshe Rabbeinu can't be the final redeemer because Moshe Rabbeinu is from Shevet Levi, and therefore from his very birth he doesn't qualify. He doesn't have the lineage to be the future redeemer. You have to be the descendant from David Amelech from Shevet Yehuda. It means in quality of soul, the power of the redemption is coming through Moshe. As we know that it says in Kabbalah that Moshe Rabbeinu's neshama is going to be part of Mashiach's soul. It's going to be a hybrid of Moshe and King David, and then whatever that power creates that's above and beyond both of them to create Mashiach's soul. Or Befrat Kidu, as it is known as Gulus Mitzrayim, is the Rosh V'shoidish Fin Allah Gulus. We also know that Mitzrayim is considered the head and the beginning of all redemptions, which means it's like the key. The key to redemption was Yitzhiya Mitzrayim. 
So it comes out that Moshe Rabbeinu, because he is the first redeemer, he's the one who takes it out of, us out of Egypt, so he has the power, he contains the, the power of the future redemption. Because all geulas have to come dafka through Moshe. What is the idea of Moshe Rabbeinu that makes him such a central role? The Nakuda Sabir Bezeh, the main Nakuda, the main point over here is as follows, Paragimel. The Tachlis from Gulas Mitzrayim is, the whole purpose of Gulas Mitzrayim is, Hashem is saying, I'm going to take you to be my people, and I will be for you for a God. And you will know that I am God, your God. The Ebersh says, you will know that I'm your Ebersh that takes you out from the load of Mitzrayim. And I am God, your God. I am the Ebersh that has taken you out of Mitzrayim. This haste. That means like what? What's the purpose of, of, of taking out? purpose of, of Yitzhak Mitzrayim wasn't <coughs> just the Jews came time, we have to go out of Golas. The suffering has to come to an end and we have to exit. If, 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 if that would have been the purpose, God would not have to make such pump to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim. You know, Paro could have decided one day that, uh, for whatever reason, that we have a, uh, the Jewish people are dangerous, they're carrying a virus, and he must kick us out of Egypt before we make the whole Egypt sick. I don't know. Something like that could have happened. Any Meshagas could have brought about and could have caused that Paro should... I'm checking a minute because I hear a phone call. And the reason I'm checking because I want to make sure that maybe there's nothing wrong with the... There's nothing wrong with the... No. Doesn't seem like there's anything wrong. Okay. Don't seem like that. No one was texting me that there's something wrong with the video. So, okay. Baruch Hashem. Um, so, why would Hashem have to make such a show? The point over here is the Pasuk says, so you will know that I am God. That's what Hashem is telling the Jewish people, you will know that I am Hashem. And that's why we find also, when we came later, when Hashem gave us the Torah, what does He say? I am God, your God, I took you out of Egypt. Meaning the taking out of Egypt will show you my power, you will know me. Does haste, meaning, as the Gilio Lekus Lamata Begulas Mitzrayim, is Bechdei Yidin, the revelation of godly power down here by when we went out of Egypt, was for a purpose. As Yidin, that Jews, as they are present in the world, meaning as we are human beings, made out of flesh and blood, <coughs> in which we're physical, and we recognize the physical world very, very, very much. And we don't see, we're not living in some spiritual, you know, uh, magical state. We're living in a very physical world with all the physical concealments and distractions. Of every day of daily living, with all the hang-ups and all the ups and downs and the frustrations, and everything that goes on in our life. Yet in that state, we should know zolin dozen that we should see in anerkenen, and we should recognize in wissen der We should know God. When you find yourself in any troubling case, what do you do? You call out Hashem. You get anything successful, good, something good happens to you, you say, Mamish, this was Ashkocha Pratis, Hashem help me. That's what it's all about. We should see Hashem even in daily living, even when it's hard and difficult, and we don't see, yet yeah, we should see. 
I'm just going to check the call. I'm sorry because maybe someone is calling to say something. Okay, sorry for the interruption. Um, I didn't realize that we were out. So I'm not exactly sure where, we, where, you, where you cut out, but I'm gonna start over here in the middle of Bayes. As he said, we were learning how Moshe Rabbeinu is essential to the redemption. And without Moshe Rabbeinu, there is no redemption. So he, when we see that even Aaron was secondary, the Abishter insisted Dafka Moshe should be the redeemer. So much so that Chazal even say, that Moshe Rabbeinu is the first redeemer and the future redeemer. That means there's no redemption without Moshe. That means that even though it doesn't mean that Moshe is going to be the physical redeemer because the redemption has to come from, David, from uh, a descendant from David Melech, it has to be from Shevet Yehuda, can't be from Shevet Levi. Yet, <coughs> um, yet uh, it means that spiritually it says that Moshiach's neshama is going to be a combination, a hybrid of David Melech together with Moshe Rabbeinu, and uh, together that's going to combine and make a soul that's far greater than both of them, which is the ultimate neshama, and the neshama of Moshiach Tzitkein, who's going to take the Jewish people out of Golas. But you see with which power is it? The power of Moshe. And we also know that Yetzirah Mitzrayim, which was done by Moshe, is the, considered the, the key to all the redemptions. So we see how Moshe is everything regarding Giyola. So we need to understand why that is. So now I'm going to start Sif Gimel. The Nakuda Sabir is that the point of the explanation in all of this. The Tachlis Fingulis Mitzrayim is the purpose of the <coughs> of the Geula of Mitzrayim is Velakachti Eschem Lile Om Vayisi Lachem Lelekim. So Pasuk in Parshas Veera, where it, the four languages of Geula, the Arba Lashonish of Geula, are stated. So it says, "I will take you to be for me for a people, and I will be your God." Because I'm taking you out of Mitzrayim because I want to have a relationship with you. 
And what? You will know that I am your God. You will know that I am your God that takes you out from beneath the load of, of Egypt. And by Matan Torah, Hashem said, I am, I am your God, that I took you out of Egypt. Does haste? So what does that mean? <coughs> that means that, the, that, that when Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, it wasn't, um, the, the purpose of the Geula wasn't just merely to get us out of the suffering. We were not doing well and Hashem had to take us out of Mitzrayim. That, that's not what it really was. Because for, if that was all that was needed, then Hashem did not have to make such a to-do. He didn't have to make such a show when He took us out of Egypt. He could have made it simply. Parah could have had a, you know, woken up one day and decided that the Jewish people are dangerous in this country. What? They got a, they got, they got a virus. We got to kick them out because or else they'll make everybody sick. I don't know. Something, something like that. Well, how did the, how, why did the king of Spain, uh, whatever, Ferdinand and Isabella Yamachshamam, decide one day to get rid of the Jews? Uh, so what happened? So Pyro could have done the same thing. Or I don't know. Whatever could have been much simpler. Why did it need such a show? It's because the Abishter wanted to make a display of his power and his might. For who? So that the Jewish people will know God's power. That's what it, we will know Him. We will know that Hashem, who we're here to serve, is an omnipotent being who controls everything, everything, and everything, and has complete veto power over every natural cause. Now, because he's the source of nature, and He can override nature, and He can change it and do whatever He wants. And we need to know that. Does haste as the Gilui the godly revelation that happened by Gulus Mitzrayim is bechdei is for a reason. As yidden vizek zich in velt that the Jewish people, as we find ourselves as regular people in a world, in a world, a world on its own, we'll soon see is a world of concealment. It's a world that does not tell you about a god, about a creator, about a superpower. Everything seems to follow a certain repetition, a certain uh, <coughs> consistent pattern which makes things just look like, you know, what we call Mother Nature, and this is the way it is. And, 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 and as we are in that world, experiencing all the distractions and all the, all, the, all the ordinariness of life, in the midst of that, we should recognize the Ebishter. Zoldazen and Anerkenen, a Yid should see, and he should recognize, in Wissen der Ebishter, and he should know Hashem. In Zol, yeah, that means that we should know God. That means anything that happens, if we're in trouble, any situation, we get that. So our first reaction is not to turn to natural means of assistance. The first thing is, God help me. That's the first thing, because the Abish is very real to us. And the same is, when something good happens, <coughs> it could be, it seems just like a natural good fortune that <coughs> came about through natural means. A Yid recognized immediately, Baruch Hashem. I have to do an extra mitzvah, I have to give more tzedakah, I have to do something because the Abishta did, did a chesed for me, did a kindness for me. That is crucial. That in the world, in, while world is being a world and the regularness of everyday life, we recognize the Abishta. <coughs> in Dazal Onnem and in, in Zon Onnem and the Nach by Matan Torah and then afterwards by the giving of the Torah, the Torah and mitzvahs from the Abishta. As a result of our recognition of him, we should be happy and excited to receive the Torah and the mitzvahs. In Dorech Zeir and then by a, and these are like instruments that the Eibushter gives us, so that we can continue revealing God in the world. In Dunich Zeir and now through our work that we do in the world, and plekin getlachkeit ba'ifin kavua v'nitzchi. So now we're going to be able to reveal godliness not through miracles anymore, but through a consistent, um, um, 
a consistent manner through our observance of the mitzvahs, we bring to the forefront the godly powers that are embedded in creation, and eventually it, cre- <coughs> it creates and sets the tone and the environment for much higher revelations or much higher d- divine powers that are within, the, within nature, the infinite powers of Hashem that are going to be revealed, so much so that we should be able to create in the physical world a place for God Himself to reside in. And in a, ma- in a manner that is permanent, that this is His residence. By the in Zeyer Leben, you reveal Hashem in your own life by living in a godly life. And you reveal the Abishter in your chalik in the world. Where this was expressed and this was revealed in the Mishkan, which is the Tachlis from Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim and Matan Torah. Like you see, I mean, in Hasidus, he's one of the Geshmaka things in Hasidus. In Hasidus, you see that you have the, the, the emphasis is not just, you know, and Kabbalah will receive the Torah. And that's it. In a lot of um, circles in, in, in amongst the Jewish people, that's it. It ends with Kabbalah Satorah. Okay, it was nice to make a Mishkan afterwards, and God, uh, Hashem can come and reside, but they don't give too much significance to the idea that the Shekhinah dwelled with the Jewish people. That's not as significant as the fact that the Gebishter comes, or the Gebishter gave us the Torah. That's like the great thing. But when we see Takadadayenu, in the end we say, ultimately, what's the purpose? What's the, what's the final Dayenu that we have to thank Hashem? He built for us a Beis English. Why? Because from the Hasidic perspective, Matan Torah, the giving of the Torah, is a prelude to something deeper. Through the Torah and the mitzvahs, we can bond with God, so much so that Hashem can be fully revealed in this most concealing dimension of existence, which is phys- physicality, and down here below, Hashem should be revealed. In the Migdash, which the Mishkan is considered already a Kvius, because it's not like a one-day revelation. Every day when the Jewish people were in the Midbar for 40 years, almost 40 years, they didn't build it immediately, they woke up and can look outside the window or walk outside their, their tent and see over there the dwelling, the clouds st- sitting right on top of that Mishkan. And, uh, and then it lasted when they continued in Eretz Yisrael and the other Mishkans. But that's permanent. But the real permanence, the permanence is the fact that it happened, it was there constantly, day and night, uh, weeks and months and years. But the ultimate permanence is when it translated into a, because this is still considered a mobile home, they moved from place to place, translated into the Beis Amigdash. In Ochmer Bekviyas, in the Beis Amigdash, Shirisha and Visheni, this first Beis Amigdash, second Beis Amigdash, U Hashleim is Vetezayin Beis Amigdash Ashlishi. And the ultimate perfection is going to be in the third Beis Amigdash, Migdash Adna Koinenu Yadecha. The Beis Amigdash of Hashem, that Hashem himself is going to make, because the first Beis Amigdash, second Beis Amigdash lived, they, they lasted for each one for over 400 years, but it's not forever. The ultimate tachlis is that God should reveal Himself in this physical world forever and ever in the third temple. the and the complete redemption. In and through this, oh, and even that is not the ultimate ultimate tachlis because the Eberster resides in the Beis Hamikdash, but that's only one place in the world. The ultimate tachlis is that He should be revealed everywhere. There shouldn't be a pinani dachas. There shouldn't be one forsaken corner in the world where God is not revealed. Everywhere we should see that the MS of existence 
is enoid malvada is the Ebrisht himself. And it should be seen in the physical. Where is that going to come? As a result of the Beis Amigdash Ashlishi, it's going to reveal it in the whole world. How do we get to the Beis Amigdash Ashlishi? The culmination of all our work of Torah and Mitzvahs. Where do we get? Where do we have, what's our connection to Torah and Mitzvahs? We received it at Har Sinai. And how? Because we went out of Mitzrayim. We recognized the Ebrishter. We accepted the Torah. And, and then we applied the Torah. And then eventually we have a Mishkan and a third day Samikdash. So basically what the Rebbe just gave us over here is a crash course on all of Judaism. That's the Tachlis. Recognizing Hashem, Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, recognizing Him, forging a bond with Him, receiving His Torah, implementing the Torah to the point where you can reveal God in your life and then in a permanent place in the world, and eventually in the entire world in the third base of English. Till you'll have the ultimate perfection. When the Gantzavelt and Allah mentioned, when the entire world and all people, in ear, and all people that are in it, everybody will see the divine in a revealed way and in a perfect way. The glory of the Abish will be revealed. And all flesh will see that the Ebershter has spoken. That means it will be mamash b'guv gashmi. That's the purpose. Once we know what the purpose is, then we'll understand how the only one who can facilitate something like this, make a world that's created to be a concealment and a darkness, and bring within it Godly revelation, and not just godly revelation, but to make it be permanent. And when we say permanent, we mean for all of eternity, the only one who can do that is a human being like Moshe. No one else. And why Moshe? Because he's going to explain that Moshe is a hybrid. He really is. He's chatzi ish, chatzi, chatzi, ish, chatzi elokim. And we're going to see soon, even higher than elokim, even yudke vavke is his soul is bound up even with, with Yudke Vavke. And because of that, Moshe Rabbeinu has that chibur, that attachment. On the one hand, he's part of the world. On the one hand, he's infinitely transcending the world, plugging his soul, is plugged into the, the infinite truth of God. And, he's, and he doesn't change when he comes down. And that's why he's able to bridge the two together. But before he gets there to explain why it's Moshe, He's explaining, and this is the reason why the Geula had to come with such a display of miracles. Because it's only when we see a miracle that's beyond nature. It becomes revealed in an open manner, the limitless power of God. Because if all we see all our life is only natural phenomenon, and we would never see that nature ever, to, be, to us, nature would be an absolute prison. Which means we wouldn't accept, we wouldn't possibly be able to recognize that there is a force that's beyond this natural order because it never ever changes. But when we see a splitting of the sea and we see the Hanukkah menorah burning for eight days and we see oh, you know, all the other miracles that we see, we say, oh, so there must be that we are in a construct of nature but there is a power beyond nature that's still actively involved with nature and is running nature and can change nature in whichever way and he has absolutely no, he himself is not conditioned in any way by these, by these, by this, by this natural phenomenon. So we should recognize that the Hashem is the boss over the nature in the world. Far the and the Abishter has a power to make a miracle which is beyond the natural conduct of the world. Either 
a miracle that's <coughs> higher than the world, or a miracle that turns the world itself. Adranes was bite, that's changing. And watch it, it changed. The natural order of the world, which the definition of the world is, Melashem Helen Vahesta. The nature of existence is that it conceals God. Because the very notion of nature, which in Hebrew the word nature is associated with the word of submerged, sunk in the sea. Tibu from the word teva, tibu, which means when something is submerged, you don't see it because the water is covering it. Right? So you ever go to the beach and you're looking for, and then you see a dolphin, it pops out, it's so exciting, and then he goes right back down, or a seal, a sea lion. And uh, gone. Why? Because it's submerged. Unless very clear water and you can look down. But like this, you're looking out. Don't see it. Because in the water, even though he's there. So the same is also. <coughs> the Eberster's input. God in the water, in the world, not seen. Submerged. Nature conceals. And a miracle is like the, sea, as like the, like the, like the dolphin popping out. The of the Kayach HaPoel from the Eberster. Versus an Emfadan, which is inside of it. It does that you get and get the Kayach to Yidden. And what's the purpose of it? And this, we see God, we see the miracles, we see Hashem. And then it gives us the power that we ourselves should not be so intimidated by nature. We, we should also be able to lift ourselves up beyond our natural conditioning. To live a life as a Jew means to do things that we're not always naturally inclined to do. And, and we would say, oh, you know, this is my nature, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it, I can't, no. You see that there's powers. And if you're connecting to the Eberster's will, you can get things done that are impossible. That's the whole point of being Jewish, is to do the impossible. To do the possible, you don't need the Jewish people. The, the, the whole concept of being a Jew, which means to be connected to God, on a unique, special Jewish way, is that we have the power to live beyond our natural means. And which first-hand witness these miracles, that inside of them they should, it's not just going out of the physical Egypt, it's going out of the, out of the mindset of Egypt, by frying from the Bagrenets, and you have to free yourself, to become freed from the limitations. The narrowness and measurements from their welt and from their verschlafing zu weltisch anachas, to go out from the limitations of the world and from being, um, being subdued to worldly social norms. You know, there are a lot of social norms or social things that like, you know, you have to do so and so. Who says? Because everybody's doing it. I'm not talking about a good thing, you know, self-isolation. Yeah, everybody's doing it and that's what we must do to keep each other safe. But I'm talking <coughs> that certain things that people are doing, that there's just a trend, everybody does it, so you can't go against the trend. I could go against the trend. I'm not enslaved to other things. Oh, you have to, whatever. You have to put away for uh, retirement. Why? Because everybody's doing so. Because how are you going to live? I can give tzedakah. I can take care. The gods can take care of me. So he, can, he can feed the 8 billion people on the planet and all the animals and all every tiny mosquito. Take care of me as well. All right, so, Ayyid lives in trust in the Eberstein. If in Knechtschaft, you know, being enslaved, I have to work like a Meshuggah because I have to put away and ensure my retirement and my this and my that and my children. Of course, every person has to make a keli, but there But that's it, and know that everything is really beyond nature. You don't have to be enslaved to the limitations of the world, and particularly of exile. Beginning 
that we're not subject to the Egyptian exile. That because we witnessed those miracles. So the Rebbe is saying it's an amazing thing. The miracles broke, the, 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 the miracles in Egypt broke Egypt in the physical sense. You know, Dam Tzvardei, Akin, of all these ten plagues broke Egypt in the physical sense, freed the Jewish people, allowed them out. But as they were breaking Egypt in the physical sense, it was breaking the Egypt that was poisoning the Jewish people. It was breaking the, the mindset, the world view of Egypt inside the Jews, liberating and freeing them from, from Egyptian bondage and spirit. It's the psychological uh, Egyptian, from, from seeing the world through Egyptian eyes. Start seeing the world from Jewish eyes. And each plague was a breaking and a shattering of Egypt, freeing them. It corresponded also in the physical, because the physical and the spiritual are really synchronized, <coughs> and are really harmonized, really one. Cheres <coughs> amitis, true freedom. And Aleph and Allah Akbar from all limitation. And we're freed not only from social things that, are, that are, are put upon us, but even from actual limitations of nature. That there are natural realities, and for a Jew, they're not so realities. For example, you know, God commands us <coughs> to keep our store open only for six days, not seven days. And when the holidays come, you know, the Yom Tov, you have to shut your store down for many more days. And someone will say, you know what, I'm a competition. All the other business openers have the store open all the time. And how in the world will I stay in business? And the answer is, you're not, you're not within the natural world. You're not within the natural world. You don't live in nature. A yid lives beyond nature. And that's in everything. All, all elements. You want to, for just on a simple level, a person needs to live a life, and you have to, if you want to live as a Jew, you have to send your, Jew, your, your children to a Jewish school. They can get a Jewish education. You have to pay the private so you can get free public school. It's an enormous expense. And you say, how can I make it? How can I live? And yet, somehow or another, you didn't make it. How? No explanation. But, 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 but a, Jew, a Jew trusts in God, and he does what he needs to do. And Hashem takes care of the rest. So that means that a Yid is not subject to the Levushim for the garments of nature. And so much so that not only are we, can, are we, can we transcend nature, but we are even beyond, the Rebbe says, from the miracles that are enclosed in nature. That a Jew is connected to the miraculous that's not even enclosed in nature. Like the story of Purim, it was a miracle. It was a miracle that's in nature. But really, we're free even from those. We're not even subject that we have to remain somewhat in nature. A Yid, through his connection to Hashem, can actually live in the super-miraculous. Even from that, we're not subject to that. Now, when is this going to be revealed for everybody to see that a Jew is a supernatural being. This is going to be in the days of the Mashiach. When it will be, like it says, when, the, like when you went out of Egypt, I will show you wonders. Neflois means wonders. And this year, by the way, is very strongly connected to the idea of neflois because the root of the word neflois is the word pele, pay, and we're holding by Tavshin pay. So wonders really mean in Gansen, something we wonder, it baffles our mind, we have zero explanation in it. Neflois in Gansen, the mind of Maderachatel, things that are completely beyond nature. The Nisim for Yitzhi Mitzrayim. In Nochmer, like the miracles of Yitzhi Mitzrayim, versus Purim. Purim is, is a nace, but it's not a pele. Because you can understand kind of the, 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 back, the back side of the story. Why Achashverosh is intimidated and so on. You can, you can figure it out logically. It's still, it's still 
very unusual, but it's still, but, but yet you can give some kind of logic to it. No logic. But he says, by the future redemption, the wonders are going to be so great that they're going to be, even in comparison to the miracles of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, this is going to be a wow. In a way that the Eibishter is going to show it to us. That Eibishter, in a manner that God himself shows us the miracles. When Hashem shows it to us, everything is revealed. You see, if we are probing, I never see, it's amazing how you, when you learn something again and again, you get to see new things. <coughs> I'm seeing now over here something new that I haven't seen. I read this, I actually taught this earlier this week to a group of people, and I didn't see this, this is Gavaldic. You see, if I'm trying to uncover something outside of me, then I'm uncovering one layer, there might be another layer, there might be another layer, because I'm uncovering from the outside. But if the person is revealing himself, so a revelation coming from, so I can decide, I can reveal everything. So, <coughs> it's not limited. So that's the difference. You know, if we're trying, if it would say, we will see miracles, that we will see it, then what is being seen? Whatever, whatever we, our eyes can see. Our enu means the, God is saying, I will show him. If God will show, everything will be revealed. Amplekt out, side das was is shayach tzeveren, amplekt nigla, so it will include, the, the, when Hashem is revealing, things that are reveal, revealable. Maybe they're not revealed, but they're revealable. And even including things that are even deeper and hidden. We see the truth. When Hashem is showing us, we will see the truth and the innermost of the natural order. That means we will see We will see the innermost and the pneumious of the natural order. That means even nature will see is really the godly workings. And even more than that, the full kamanogenesis. We will see the full con- uh, miraculous power of Hashem. We will see so high even the things that are completely, completely wondrous. And there, Kayach of and this, and that's the content of the whole thing. That, that we should be able to see the even though we're living in a world that has a a a a, um, a structure of nature, it's completely transparent. Of course, through our work and our participation, and we we connect to the creator of it all, and we bond and we communicate, and we can go to completely beyond the very natural uh uh infrastructure that makes up our existence, yet our existence is not our existence. Our existence is because the Eberstein makes us into existence. So we can be in it and our relationship with him, we can go completely out of it and see him and experience him and know him and go and actually know him and see him as we are still in it. It's unbelievable. The koyach of bringing geul the power to be able to bring this and you think about it, this is the greatest contribution in all of humanity. Because every other innovation, any other contribution, is uncovering natural power. Within nature, you're uncovering the power of electricity. You're uncovering the power of radio waves. You're uncovering the power of a microwave. <laughs> whatever, whatever innovation you're uncovering, <laughs> these are all powers 
that are powers of the world. But here we're talking about exiting completely the entire cosmic order of systems and reaching beyond the system and bringing the world and into contact and therefore making, <coughs> giving accessibility to the creation, to all, of, to, every, to all of humanity and everything that's here, to, the, to <coughs> what, is, what is limitless. It's like crazy. And that's our Jewish contribution. And that, <coughs> that connection, that, um, that, uh, that shidduch, that unification couldn't just happen. You need the unique human being who God had initially set aside to be the one who's going to pull this together, pull this off. In their gili, in their koyach, and bringing gili to see it in gili lekus lamata boy fena now kim tos dafke the rachmoisha rabbeinu. This comes dafke through Moshe. By Alam shal Yisrael is the redeemer of the Jewish people. Get to look, come on. This is so sweet, so unbelievable. So we'll understand it in Sif Dalin. You know, you learn this. This is like Torah from a different realm. This is Torah from a different realm. The fundamentals of, of, of opening and building and the infrastructure. And, and it's so fundamental yet so novel and so rich and yet so simple. See, that, that, that's what's so powerful about the Rebbe. It's like, it's like so deep and so profound and so earth-shattering yet so simple. Meaning to say, the same, like, you open up a writings of the Ari, you see mystical secrets, and it's speaking, it's, 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 it's the Pneum Torah, but it remains like so complex, and so otherworldly. This is like so, because it's the same idea of Moshe Rabbeinu, to take the highest of the high, and explain it to even children. It's like, that, that, that's the idea. Accessibility, while we're in the normal, to what's completely abnormal. That's what I find in these talks. That Menetzvashtein, Dorech Arklenen, will understand it by first explaining why is it Moshe Rabbeinu that has that power? The Toichen and Inyan V'chidosh from Moshe, what's the novelty of Moshe? What is Bedugmed, their Chidosh, from Inyan Agula? Moshe Rabbeinu is the same idea of the Chidosh of Giyula. In their far, Kum di Giyula, Davke Dorech Moshe. And that's why the Geula comes, Davke through Moshe. The Aroiske Gemen, a Sefer Tehillim, is Moitzadik. Now, how do we get to know Moshe? So let's see what Moshe Rabbeinu himself says about himself, or where David, however, wrote the opening of it about Moshe. What does it say? Remember, I said that this is connected to the 90th, the Rebbe's 90th or 89th birthday, where they started saying Kapitel Tzadik, the 90th Kapitel, which began with Tfilah Lamoshe. Which starts with Tfilah Lamoshe Ishalakim. A tefillah for Moshe, the godly man, in his Messiah, and concludes, the noyam Hashem alekenu aleinu, let the pleasantness of Hashem be upon us, and the work of our hands should be established upon us, the work of our hands, or our handiwork, should be established, should be firmly established. So the Rebbe is going to look Examine both the beginning of the Mizmar and at the and the end of the Mizmar. Tefillah Lamoisha means it's a prayer to Moshe. Even though it's part of Tehillim, the song <coughs> was was later, you know, um, revealed maybe through David Amelach. But it's not David Amelach's own song. This was a song composed by Moshe Rabbeinu. It says Tefillah Lamoisha, a prayer for Moshe. 
So he's going to analyze the beginning and the end in order to get an understanding on the whole gist of the capital and what it really means. He's going to analyze the beginning and the end and, and he's going to show that there's a certain repetition going on in the beginning and in the end. And he's going to explain what's the significance of that repetition and it's going to reveal this deep idea behind it. This mizmar is uniquely um, um, is unique with the, with the chiddush, with the with the novelty, as it is gezok gevarn durech Moshe Rabbeinu. It was said through Moshe, tefillah Moshe. It is the end. We know that Moshe Rabbeinu actually composed more than just this capital. He composed eleven chapters in Tehillim, and from the most beautiful chapters, we can say until the most beautiful, but the ones that sound to us the most beautiful because we can actually understand them. Um, the, the, from 90 to 101, the last one, 100, the famous Mizmo Latoda, let's say a, a thank you to God, right? Or L'chuneranana, Shiru Lashem, these are all verses composed by Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, and one of them is Moshe Shabbos also, but that one was initially composed by Adam, and it was forgotten, and Moshe was the one who reinstated it, as we'll see. So, how, so altogether, how much did he make? <coughs> he, he composed 11, and Tefillah Lamaisha is the first one. Er is that Ershtef and the Achat Asa Mizmoirim, from the 11 um, songs, Mikan Adladavad Mizmar, Shamoisha Omram. From here until Kapitel 101, not including 101, these all eleven, Moshe said them. Pastor is moving from this. It's understood as the mizmar gitarois the toichen for navoides upoilas Moshe. This mizmar expresses the content and the, the 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 meaning of Moshe Rabbeinu and his effects al yedei tefilasai. His effects that he had through his tefilah because he's davening. His davening is bringing down success to his work. So what is Moshe Rabbeinu's work all about? in which includes both his effect on the Jewish people and his effect on the world. Now, so where do you see that this capital is bringing and expressing Moshe Rabbeinu's chidush, Moshe Rabbeinu's impact on the world? When you look at the end of the capital, it says, right, we said earlier, let the pleasantness of Hashem be upon us, and the work of our hands, right? And the work of our hands should be established. That pasuk, Chazal say, is are referring to, <coughs> is referring to Moshe Rabbeinu's blessing for the Jewish people when they completed building the construction, the, 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 the when they completed, <coughs> completed constructing the Mishkan, and Hashem did not immediately descend into their work. The Yidden were frustrated. They felt that all their work was in vain. They came to Moshe Rabbeinu and they cried out. And Moshe went <coughs> and he gave them a blessing. And he, he prayed and he blessed them. And then the Shekhinah came down to dwell. So you see that what? That Moshe Rabbeinu's contribution, the Yidin could not bring the Shekhinah down. Moshe Rabbeinu contributed. He brought the Shekhinah. And what did he bring down? He brought godly revelation, which we said earlier is that's the main avoda, so we're going to see of Moshe Rabbeinu, to connect God and the world. And, 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 and he accomplished it, not just in the Jewish people, but in the physical world as well. And, and you see... And that's what's expressed in this Mizmar. Because the end of the Mizmar is talking about the Hinoya. So you see that this Mizmar expresses the, 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 the impact and the, 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 the uniqueness 
of Moshe Rabbeinu's power that others don't have. Only Moshe Rabbeinu. The conclusion of this Mizbar is the brach of tefillah. This is the blessing and this is the prayer for Moshe. At the occasion when he was, when he, when, with, with bringing the Shechina to dwell in the Mishkan. He said to them, let it be the will that the Shechina should dwell in your work. Let the pleasantness of Hashem be upon us. This haste. The dafka Moshe Rabbeinu's tefillah accomplished the Ashros Hashchina Mishkan, the dwelling of the Shechina in the Mishkan. In an anoifin, in what manner did it accomplish it? That it was in a manner that it was going to be permanent. See, that's the very important thing. To create a moment of divine revelation, maybe others can do as well. But to accomplish a permanence of God here, that's what Moshe was saying. It should be firmly established, it should be nailed down, and it's not going anywhere. That's the Chiddush. Grunt pafestik, it should be strong and firm. Metakvius, it should be a, with a continuity. Ledor, dor, for generation to generation. And it act, which is actually a, <coughs> a pasuk in Tfilah Moshe. It mentions one of the words, one of the verses over there, ledor, dor, for generation to generation. Bizvitas vetzayim b'shleimus and beisamishashlishi which translates ultimately, even though so far the, Beis Amig, the Mishkans were not really permanent, at least not to the visible eye, in the third Beis Amigdash, they're going to be literally permanent. Chazal, Chazal says a pasuk, as a koineneu, Chazal actually say it on the pasuk, that the work of our hands, koineneu, should be established, and established means it should never have an interruption, is, re- is referring to the third temple. Third base image in which God says, in the future, I'm going to build it. And I will dwell my shechina over there, and it's never going to be destroyed. Today I watched the video, which the person was sending it around as a sad video, and I got very happy. It reminds me of the story where Rabbi Akiva was laughing, and, and, uh, and they were crying. When you learn the Rebbe Sichas, the Rebbe trains you. Uh, to think a little like him, that you're always seeing positive. So this guy was sending around this video how right now they, they literally, till now they were trying to still maintain some kind of a pre- Jewish presence <coughs> hidden, davening at the Kosal. So last week Shabbos, they closed down the city, but, at, but the people of the old city were able to go have a minion by the Kosal. Today they were taking their final pictures, the photographers came, you see the Kosal is empty. No one is there. It's literally vacant and empty. And even the photographers, they were saying, are leaving. And the person that was narrating it was saying, Shechinta Bigalusa, the Shechina is in exile. But the beautiful thing was, they, whoever sent it, sent it along with a woman. I guess she was a little recording. She was telling her son or something. She says, don't read this for what it looks like. What's happening is that since I, I have a very strong feeling, she said, and I was so beautiful, that the Abishter is now preparing because the third base of English is going to come down. And God does not want that it should come down on top of a minion. You're not dominating there. There's this whole building coming down. So he's clearing the area. God is literally saying, you know, when you're doing construction, they clear or they close off and they quarantine an area. They're closing off the area. The same we find at 770 is also closed off. 
because it says, the Rebbe says in a different sikha that Beis Amigdash Ashlishi is going to come down first, first over there. That's going to, so these areas are cordoned off. No one can come there. And we know the Malachim, whoever, with the spiritual beings that we can't see, they're doing all the operations. All the construction workers and all that are busy there, they're all preparing. And the Abishter himself is going to send the third Beis Amigdash. It's unbelievable. If we're not, I mean, I can't believe we're not dreaming that we're seeing this with our own eyes, how the whole world is silent. And, 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 and the magic is about to happen. It's so exciting that it's Shabbos HaGadol and it's coming to Pesach. And let's just fill ourselves with that Amun and that Bitochen, that this is it. There's no going back. <coughs> We're on a roll. That's the idea. Okay. So, so, but what do you see from here? That it's referring to the third temple, which is all expressed in this parak, Tfidolomoshim. So now he's going to show you what does Moshe Rabbeinu Taka have with this idea of bringing God down in a permanent way. And why is it only Moshe? The beat and them, an explanation of them. We see it both at the beginning of the Mizbar and at the end, what I mentioned earlier, that there is a certain repetition. The title, when it's telling us who is the one who this song is attributed to, it refers to Moshe, but it gives you a double a double reference to Moshe. Number one, it calls him Moshe. It also says, Ishalokim, a godly man. In the end of the parak, again you have a repetition. The, you know, um, what does the Pasik say? <coughs> the work of our hands, should be established upon us. And the work of our hands, should be established. Why the repetition? <coughs> and even though you can argue, as I was going to say, that what? That soul is the so is the style of poetry, and Tehillim is said in a form. The Psalms are said in a form of a song, and therefore you can have repetition. But in the, but even when that is, there is also meaning for it. There's a reason, and there's a deeper understanding to the to the repetition, and especially in this capital where you find the repetition at the beginning and at the end, which makes it unique from most other capital in Tehillim that you don't have this. This capital has it. This parak and tell him this song. The beer and them back, yeah. Vos in the Vos is the time of the Kefal Tfidal Moshe. First Moshe, in the Nachs and Tire Ishalokim, a godly man. But that is a Bessim on Mizmar. Same as also at the end of the Mizmar. Let the pleasantness of Hashem be upon us and the work of His hands established upon us. In the Nachatsvetan Mold, that it says it a second time. Two times. We can say, now the emesis in Ara 43, footnote 43, the Rebbe actually shows that throughout the entire capital, you have a lot of repetition, um, not just in the beginning and the end. You have bedor dor, like we said earlier, ume oilam ad oilam. Toshev enesh adaka, people do tshuva, man will do tshuva. Vatoy meshuvu adam, and he says, return, do tshuva. And so there is more psukim. Yeah. We can say one of the explanations in this, I love the way the Rebbe gives like these brilliant, mind-boggling explanations. Then he says, what are the explanations? I would love to hear the other ones. It's like, like what, what, what's the idea? Well, truth is we know. Chazal say that there's nothing in Torah that has less than 600,000, uh, it says it's 70 Purushim, but there's also definitely that Rizal, 600,000 in Purushim and Pshat, 600,000 in Remes, 600 in Drush, <coughs> 600 in Sod, in secret. It's crazy. 
So he says like this, in order to accomplish a, a drawing down and a godly revelation down here below in a manner of permanence, I will dwell in them. Number one, God will dwell, that's him. But, in a, but that should be not just as a moment flash, it should be in a manner of which should remain permanent, which is a contradiction. <laughs> the world is finite and limited. God is infinite. So to have a flash, okay, he flashes and leaves. But to make it permanent, how does it, either or, either the, the light, if it's entering into a finite place and, 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 and captured, should stop being infinite, it becomes limited and disconnected. Or the world, if, if it remains in its full potency and its full infinity, then the world should give and stop being fine. How does it remain? How do you have these two? It doesn't make any sense. So you need to have two things. Tzveik is two, two extremes. In Chiburim Yachad and the connection together. Number one, from within the world, you're limited to the, to the boundaries of the world. Within the system, you have to work completely in accordance to the system. And, the, and like there's a rule. A prisoner can never redeem himself or free himself from the prison. Someone is tied up in a dungeon, can't, can't liberate himself. You need someone from outside to come and cut the cords, let him out. And, and if there is a prisoner of nature, a prison, so we can't undo this prison, there has to be someone who's outside to come out and to, to bring it. So therefore it requires a power that's above the, the system. A power, now we're here dealing with something serious, because the power that systemizes the system is a divine power, it's God's power. But we know that the power of God that's in nature is already a subdued power, which means it's Hashem already limited this past. The name of Elohim, which is a constricted power, self-imposed constriction that God imposes upon it to act in a limited, limited manner. And, but then there are powers of God that are not limited and not defined. And from these transcendental higher powers is where the, the, the effects come to change what is happening, to, 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 to bring revelation and, 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 and <coughs> limitless uh, energy into the finite world. Which is the conduct of the world. It has to be something that is powerful. Which can bring into the world godly revelation. Which on its own, godly revelation is not there in the world. Why? Because the world is a concealer. The world is a concealer. On its own. Biz, but even more so. It's not only that this godly power is coming into the world, but it's actually going to change and transform the very world itself, that the nature of the world will cease to be a, a concealer, it will become a, a receptacle to the godly light. If it becomes a, recept a receptacle, it becomes a keli, it, it will express it. So it's not only, so the world as God created it is not a keli. It's, it's, it's created to be a blockage and an interference with anything that's not within the system. 
It's meant to block that and, it, and, and, and not allow that. So it's definitely not a receptor of it. It's not a conveyor of it. This power is not only here, we're not dealing just with a power that can subdue or, 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 or silence the world and display this higher power, but to change the world itself, the, the, the nature of the world, to, to be able to receive it and express it, which is what a mishkan is. A mishkan is the materials of this world are acting as a, as a conduit and as a, and as a form of display, and this because, and not just temporarily they're acting in a, like a person says, I'm not myself. It's not like these materials are acting in a way where they're not them, themselves. No, they are themselves. That, that's the Chiddush. That means that they have inherently changed to become a keli. This to Ibermachen Divel, to this power, so if it can change the world, it has to be very powerful. It's one thing if it can crack the world open. It's another thing if it can actually have such impact to change it itself. Zizel Vedin Akeli of Gilealakus. She should become, the world itself <coughs> should become a, 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 a vessel for godly revelation. And particularly in a manner of permanence. So you need to have a really true superpower to do that. Because from within the power, now the worlds have a lot of powers, like Malachim and so on, which are all the powers of nature. And they're, they're really cool beings. <coughs> but they're all part of the system. And if they're part of the system, Oh, now he's adding another idea. The main emphasis in the last point, to be, to be able to change the world, that the world itself should become a conveyor and a displayer of the divine. But the Chiddush over here, that it should become permanently that way, the very notion, so it's a Chiddush that it's going opposite of the way it was created, instead of concealing, it's revealing. But there's another deeper point over here, the very idea, that the, 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 the notion that it should be permanent. How can it be permanent? Nature, time and, time and space, the whole construct is the opposite of permanence. Everything in the world is constantly changing. The nature of existence is to change. We're in tear. And when things change, eventually it uh, disintegrates. So the ability that it should, be, it should become a conveyor of God for all of infinity means a, a, a change a, a opposite of, of what the world is. Because the nature of the world is. The world is all about change, man. Everything in the world is constantly changing. With the duration of time. So much so that we say that every hove Every constant, I'm sorry, everything that exists, nifsad, <coughs> deteriorates. So that's, but all of this is to indicate, since the world itself is temporary, and it has erosion, and by its nature is concealing God, so if we're going to change all of that, the changer can't have the same, can't have the same handcuffs. Right? He has to be free. And that means that the power has to be a beyond power. How much beyond? Totally beyond. But on the other hand, it can't be just a beyond power. Because if it's going to be a beyond power, but it's not going to relate 
it's just going to come in like a bulldozer, blast the world open and introduce this powerful light, it's going to be phenomenal, but <coughs> this, and again, even if it's going to force the world to change, it's never going to be an organic change. That means it's never going to be us. It's going to be in a forced upon us. And even if it's a, del- even if it's a delightful, com- <coughs> compelling, it's still not us. It's like the Alt-Reb explains by Matan Torah, even though we were compelled in the most delightful way, God overwhelmed us with His love and we experienced the tingling all over our body and all in an entire being of ecstasy and, and bliss from being enveloped in God's words. But the fact that we received it and accepted it wasn't because of who we are. It was an outside influence. And therefore it's never true. It won't last forever because it's not really us. So in order for something to be us, it has to be a gentle prodding from within. It can't come as an outside. That's why one of the things I'm talking about a lot is the acceptance of Mashiach. And that we have to, now is the time for Kabbalah Samalchus of accepting Mashiach. And why... People say, so why wasn't we told explicitly that we have to do so? We were given all these hints, not Because it can't be an outside command. This is something that has to come from within. It has to be a recognition. It has to be understanding. It has to be that, isn't it obvious? Don't you understand this? And, and, and we choose it from within. All, anything, the world has to open itself up. The Eberster was already, like the Rebbe said in 1990 already, Mashiach was already downloaded. But it didn't, it didn't come in a crashing force. Because God wants us that we should recognize it, we should invite it in, we should, uh, we should come to our own understanding how much we need it, and how much... <coughs> right? So that's the second idea. This power needs to come down, and it has to enclose itself. It's, it's, it's really a superpower that is infinite and limitless, but yet it camouflages, and it dresses itself as if... It's just a simple, regular thing. We're going to see soon, we're talking about a human being who's going to present himself to us like a human being, you know, who eats, and you can touch him, feel him. And yet, it's, it's totally not that. He's not, he's not that. He's camouflaged in that. He's dressed in that. So that, why? Because if he would be just what he truly is, then his influence would be what we call makif. It wouldn't be panimi. Wouldn't, we wouldn't internalize it. So it has to be like part of us. It has to be in our team. Just a regular one, one, of, <coughs> one of the rest. But yet, we have to recognize. But still, he exhibits power that's beyond because else he wouldn't be able to change it. So it's that, that combination. Like we find the general rule. We know the rule that someone who is refining needs to dress himself in the garments of the one that's being refined. That means if you're going to de- talk down to people from your high horse, or from your high place, you're not going to have an influence on them. You have to descend to their world, the way they're thinking, and accept what they're saying, and yet, you know, show them that you can look at it differently. You look at it from this angle, and this until they see it differently. They see it from your point of view. But you have to do it in a delicate way. Only then can you have a real deep impact on, on the one that you're fixing. You can make it be a permanent place for it itself internally to be a keli, to be able to receive that truth. If the revelation is from a higher place, which is in, not in any way related to the recipient, 
that their darkness it won't remain there permanent. But in the manner of makiv, so even while it's there, if again, if you're not doing it in this way, you're just doing it by this blasting of power from above. So then what's going to happen is, it's even when it's there, it's going to be considered an external influence. And number two, um, it's not going to last forever. In order for it to be last forever, it has to lower itself down. To the point that it can actually leave. It can depart. So these two in Yonim, of being completely a power that is not limited by anything, having, but at the same time being very much within and part of everyone, that was Moshe Rabbeinu's unique power. These two in Yonim, the Yashloim, and Adazan and Ditzvei in Yonim, in their Kefal, Betchilas Vesim, is Merzadik. These two in Yonim, which we can say is really the two in Yonim in the repetition in the beginning of Mizmah Natan. Remember, we said, what does it mean? Tfilah Moshe Ishalikim. So the Rebbe is going to explain that these two features, these two identifications to Moshe, Moshe and Ishalukim, is <coughs> referring to these two ideas of Moshe. Moshe Rabbim being a human being and part of, part of the physical order, part of the creation existence, but he also being, but Moshe indicates him being a godly being. It's interesting. We would think right away, Ishalokim, he's a godly man. That's the, the Rebbe is going to explain how Ishalokim is actually the lower side of Moshe. He's, he's being part of the world. And Moshe is the name of, Mo, of him that indicates transcendence. He is the one who is the Mamutsa, he's the one who joins together, he's the mediator that attaches. Between the Ebershter and Yidn. As Moshe Rabbeinu himself says, <coughs> I'm the one who stands between God and you. A mediator needs to have within himself both, <coughs> both, um, the both parties or both entities that he's connecting. If you're, for example, if you're an interpreter, interpreting from French to, uh, I don't know, to Portuguese, you need to speak both languages, and only then can you serve as an interpreter. So first of all, he says, this hybridness of Moshe, that he's both part of the world and above the world, first of all, Chazal already pointed out in the name Ish Elohim on its own, a godly man. So Chazal asked the question, Im Elohim Lama Ish, where is it? This is a Medrash Tehillim. If he's divine, why is he calling him a man? Vim ish. And if he's a man, lam elokim. If he's human, why is he elokim? So the sages give an interesting answer. Mechetzi his lower half. Um, ish, he's a man. Mechetzi yolamayla, his upper hand, his upper half, elokim, <coughs> he's a divine being. That means his intelligence, his emotions, it's not even human. It's, then the, his feet, it's, it's human. And having these two these two things, ish and elokim. So therefore he can be the combination. Since he himself is this is this combination, he can affect it in the world, this combination. This is like you like you saw in the Mishkan of Moshe. He attached God to the physical Mishkan. A physical dwelling was the home of the infinite being. 
He did it because he himself was that Moshe. But the Rebbe says, let's look at it more specifically. It's not the Ish Elohim that represents the two. What it really is, the Ish Elohim is one, one end of the equation, and Moshe is the other. They're careful but which is the, the repetition at the beginning of the Mizbah. Afalpiva's Ishalokim is a chibor from Tzveik Tzavois, even though Ishalokim is, is a connection between these two extremes. Ish in Elokim, Ish in Elokim, Vizay Zenin and Ein Mensch Moshe. Now that even if we say Ishalokim, it's already, wow, a combination of two things, Ish and Elokim, like the sages point out. But the Rebbe says, if you think deeper, Elokim is not really the high name of Hashem. Elokim is the name of God as he is enclosed, lowered down, Self-limited to be a, to be a source of nature, like we know, Elokim is gematria. Hateva, Elokim is eighty-six. Hateva is eighty-six, so it's a source of nature. So even if you say that you are, now we are totally creations, and we don't have in ourselves any at least conscious experiences of Elokim, right? Of the godly. That's the we're, we're, we're living in the in, in the result, which is the creation, not in the not in the cause. <coughs> Moshe Rabbeinu was living both in the cause, the Elohim power, and in the Ish, experienced it as being totally one with it. But yet, it's only Elohim. Moshe Rabbeinu is the name Moshe. Is we're going to soon see comes from the water, means that he's plucked from the power of Hashem that precedes existence, precedes creation. And that's the Yud Kevavke. Afal because Yisrael Lekim is a chibur from Tzveik Tzavos from two from two already extremes. Ish and Elokim. These days and in the name Mensch how they are in one person. Moshe is Aber. The shame Elokim begematria Hateva. The name Elokim is gematria Hateva. Thus is the Darga and Elokus was Titzach On and Balep Teva Olam. This is the level of the divine that is enclosed and enlivens the nature of the world. In the Rebbe state Ish Elokim. Ish Elokim. What does that mean? ish, because the level of Moshe being an ish, which as we said earlier refers to his lower half, fin Moshe, is So the Rebbe is learning like this. When we say that Moshe Rabbeinu is ish alikim, the ish part is connected to the elokim, to the, his upper half, and which would that be, the ish alikim? But his upper half really is not elokim. The upper half is attached to and an extension of, as we're going to see soon, the level's much higher than Elohim. Vertnis achid normit Elohim. His lower half becomes unified. And it's interesting how the Rebbe says these words. His lower half, velt, as he is within the world. Mashma that on his own, even his lower half is not limited by that. But as it's, as he has his feet on the ground, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example to that because when Moshe went up to heaven, he took his lower half as well. And then he experienced Torah, which is higher than Elohim. Godly revelation, that's higher. So you see that when he's not on the ground, he can be beyond. The truth is, you can, then on that you can ask that Moshe, even when he's, yeah, because that's after he's also Moshe, <coughs> he's bringing it down, okay. But it's not connected with the Yudke Vavke. Shem, it's connected, but not Nisachet, it's not completely unified with Havaya, Shem Etzim, which is Hashem's essential name, prior to all the contractions. The godly revelation, which is beyond the world, which the world was created through the name of Elohim, and Havaya is beyond Elohim, which is the world. 
which is the source of the world. So that's why Ishalokim doesn't really doesn't really indicate the loftiness of Moshe. Moshe, the name Moshe, for state far Ishalokim, which is stated before Ishalokim, is Al Shem Kim in Amaya Mishisihu from the waters I have drawn him out. Which Basia said she pulled out Moshe. So what is Hasidis, what does that mean? So she pulled him out of the water, big deal. Oh, yeah, his mother put him at the, <coughs> at, the, at the Nile, so she pulled him out of the Nile. What's the big deal? From Ma, she's pulling him out from the name Ma, because the water over here is referring to <coughs> Hashem's name equaling 45. So says in, so says the Mittler Rebbe, as he brings in Teres Chaim from the Mittler Rebbe, <coughs> that, Havai, that waters that she pulled him out is indicating the lofty source of Moshe's Rabbeinu, of Moshe Rabbeinu's Neshama. <coughs> And that's why we find that this was always a Moshe. Moshe says, I am 45. How can he say, I am 45? Because he comes from the water, which that she pulled him out of the level of Ma. And we know 45 is Yud Kei Vav Kei, when you have the filling letters, when you fill it with Alephs, come out to your 45. Shem Avaya, which is Shem Avaya. Hecher Fenishelokim, which is way beyond Ishelokim. Elokus Shalom which is Elokus that's beyond creation. And we know the explanation in this. That the root of Moshe's neshama is from such a high level. Now water, as opposed to earth, refers to a level of existence that is concealed. Because in general, even though there is such a display, not a display, such, even though there is such a vast um, population of life that exists in the ocean. It's endless what's going on over there. <coughs> it's a super aquarium. It's like unbelievable. <coughs> Yet, um, when you look at it from the surface, you don't see anything. So it's, that's why it's called a concealed level. Which is higher than earth and dry land. Which is the place where man lives, which is where, you know, the revealed world. But the Chiddush was that Moshe Rabbeinu was pulled out of the water and he was planted on earth. In Findartim, in Amaya Mishisihu, from there she pulled him out, to be revealed in Almadiz Galia, in the revealed world. Because the revealed world doesn't only conceal, only mean this world. Even the higher realms are also called the revealed world. When we say conceal, we mean what's completely, completely beyond the infinite dimension of Hashem. And yet, she pulls him down and she plants him with his feet on the ground here in the world. As he is, as you're looking at him, in a body, physically, is even when he's down here, he's in a very revealed way. You look at him, you see this, this, this person, otherworldly, but yet he's here. He is connected in a revealed way to Makaira Lamaila to a source above. So Moshe Rabbeinu is like a while he's down here, he's like a fish. Fish are always in their source. Moshe Rabbeinu is always in a state of dvekus to the highest levels of the Ein Sof, but at the same time he's a very normal, he's a person because he has to be part of the world as well. This combination of Moshe and Ishalakim Badait, the Bedin Yonam and Abba Moshe expresses these two ideas of Moshe. 
Moshe, Zayim from Bindolamata, Mitalakushal, Amayla Mabriya. Moshe indicates <coughs> even though he's down here, boots on the ground, he's still connected to Elokus, to the levels of <coughs> the divinity that utterly transcends creation. Was Gitter Koyach, which that's the empowerment. So Megala Zayin Elokus Lamata. Without having a person who's connected over there, we don't have the ability to reveal godliness down here. Because we said earlier, the nature of the world is to conceal. You need a power empowering us that's outside of the concealment, that can unconceal the concealment, that can change it for us. In Iber Machen Divelt, redo the world. In Mamshach Zaynitzchias, and to bring eternity, which is also opposite of this world. As we said before, the nature of the world is disintegration. To bring in eternity into the world. Koyach Mata, to reveal the the infinite power below. In Ish Elohim, what's Ish Elohim? Zayn Farbindal Ish Metalakusha Be'erachabriya. His connection, because he's an Ish, with the godliness of the world, we said before, it's connecting only to Elohim. Why is the Abish doing that? Why give Moshe also a limited side? A side where he's only. The answer is because he needs that as well so that he can help. Fix the world to become a keli <coughs> in a way that is very much part of our own thinking, our own experiences, so that we come to it from within ourselves. So that by doing that, it will be real to us. It will be our existence. This gives the koyach to be mamshech alakus to neshamas that are in this world. But often azay can invade in kelim. Moshe Rabbeinu wants to give us, <coughs> the Ebershter wanted that we should be, that not only we should have godliness, but in a way that we can become vessels to it. And that is our nature, that we're a vessel for Hashem. And in a permanent way. To the godly revelation that's first. And what will we become vessels for? First we become vessels to the godliness that is contained within the world. And eventually, through the continuous refinement, we become, we have access even to lift ourselves off. That means every Jew kind of becomes a miracle worker like the Baal Shem Tov, is able to pick himself up beyond the limitations of nature and to tap into the supernatural. To the point that we have God Himself dwelling inside of us. Godly revelation that's beyond the, that's beyond the creation. But everything while we are physical, while we're down here. And that's Moshe Rabbeinu's power. She, unbelievable. Let's go to seven. Now we'll also understand the, the repetition in the end of the Mizbar. Moshe Rabbeinu says, What's the repetition two times? Since Moshe Rabbeinu himself is a combination of Moshe and Ishalokim, that's why Moshe Rabbeinu, as he is down here, has this limitless power. Where do you see that Moshe has the limitlessness down here in his own life? Well, the Rebbe says we see it from the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu never died. Chazal say. Because a, a limitless being doesn't die. And first he says, you see it in Moshe's capital, that you see Moshe's and everything, he's, he's limitless. When he speaks, he speaks for every generation. Which, which person ever speaks for all generations? Moshe says something, he says, I'm speaking to every generation. As he says, 
Here he's not emphasizing that he's speaking to every generation, but he says, You are our, but everything by Moshe is forever. Before the, the worlds were created, before the mountains were, were, were born, and forever and ever, Atokel, your God. For you, God, a thousand years is like, uh, is like the yesterday, which is, again, emphasizing that, the, that, that, that he's not impacted by the passage of time. And this eternity doesn't just remain hovering above the world, it gets drawn down into Moshe. Since he is so surrendered to Hashem that he's, his identity is the, is the divinity that's in him, not himself, and that's why he can draw that eternity of the divine into the creation. And therefore what happens, that Moshe Rabbeinu is Nitzchi. In what sense? Moshe, as Chazal say, Moshe, Moshe didn't die. And now, number one, Moshe himself didn't die. In addition to this, I, it says they buried him. The same question you have on Yaakov Avinu. Moshe doesn't die. And in addition to that, we know that Moshe Rabbeinu's energy and his soul continues on in every generation as well. There is someone who carries, there is the expansion of Moshe in every generation. Even more so, there is a Moshe inside every single one of us. That means he's everywhere. He's in every Jew, he's in every... And he's in every generation in terms of the leader of the generation. And Oiches, and, but not only that's, that's regarding himself, but also his powers are eternal. <coughs> Everything he does has a permanence. And Oiches, and Oiches, and Zayna Pratim, also in his powers and his details. The actions of Moshe are also Nitzchim. He does something, it's forever. The Rebbe brings in Arun 269, because the perfection of eternity, is only when you can see it in all the details. If there is one aspect of him that's not forever, that's not eternal, it shows on, weak, on weakness, even in the things that are going on, because Within the range of Moshe, which in, within Moshe Rabbeinu's <coughs> um, um, uh, radar, there is there is something, there is an akuda that's possible for to end, and that weakens the whole thing. His entire being is nitzchias; everything is nitzchias, meaning eternal. And that's the reason why Dafka Moshe had the power to mamshach and shechina lamata. He was the only one who can bring the Shekhinah down. Again, that's this power. So now, when Moshe Rabbeinu davens for the Mishkan, he, because he is essentially connected up there to the Shekhinah, to God, to the Divine, he can draw it down. Let it be the will that the Shekhinah should dwell. And in a manner that it should be firmly established, forever. That's all they have. It should be established. Not wobbly. Should stand firmly, mitakvius with, with an established standing. The doir v'doir, biz as in demaisi adeinu koineneyu vert ungedait the nitzchias from beis amidus hashlishi. So much so that it get, it expresses the eternity, as we said earlier, of even the third beis amidus. In Moshe's tefila, he's already affecting that the third beis amidus should be forever, because it's all in the power of this human being who can channel from there. He is the one that God set up to be that channel, and that's it. The the singular channel. It will never be destroyed. 
And just like a Moshe himself, there's two in Yon. Moshe and Isha Likim. Moshe and Isha Likim. So a Moshe's bracha and a Moshe's tefillah, which means his avoda in the world, also has these two in Yonim. Now what? The Yonim. Number one, Number one, the ability to draw down the divine, the Shechina in the Mishkan, in which he's channeling godliness that's beyond the world. Because Shechina, in the sense that he's speaking about over here, is the, 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 the entire Eber there. Even God, as He's beyond the world, and bays, but oifen as in a manner that it's not that it's not outside of us, but in a manner that it becomes enclosed and becomes very much who we are. So that's the double, what seems to be a repetition in the last words of the in the parak. The work of our hand should be established upon us. <coughs> this is a makif from above. Aleinu, it's above us. <coughs> it has to be above us because he's drawing down the 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 the, the shechina. He's drawing down God. This is not shaykh to go inside of us. It's a miracle that it can even hover above us, <coughs> and we can we can touch it. But then he says a, a second time. Means it's not hovering above, but it becomes it becomes part of our ma'isa yadenu. Azerbafestik the ma'isa yadenu atzma that the our actions of our hands themselves the says as their koyne neyu nem durich bepnimius oich ma'isa yadenu that our actions themselves, which means who we are and what we are, is 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 absorbed in this infinity and internalizes it. Nishna ba'oifin fin koyne aleinu not only in a manner where it's sitting above us. And this is stated in a kefal, in a repetition, because doubling itself represents the idea of something being permanent. It's like when you set your phone to repeat, the, your music recorder or whatever, music player. So you play song repeat, so you can do it twice, or you can do it just, it's on a, it's on a rotation. It ends and starts. Eh? And it will go forever and ever until the battery goes out, until it crashes, until the phone dies or whatever. It, it will go, but essentially, from terms of the player, it goes on. So that's the idea. Kefal means that it ends, it repeats again, which means it goes on forever. It's in a loop. And that's why it's showing on Nitzchis, like a circle is Nitzchis, because it keeps on going around and around. Kavlayim Azoifil, which doesn't only represent two times as much, not only twice, just the second time is stronger. But in Kefal is also connected with the Geula and Geula Nitzchis, which we know that the Geula is connected to Kefal, as I'll say that the double letters are all the letters of the Geula. Double Chaf, double Mem, double Pei, double, double Tzadik. Yeah, Geula Nitzchis. An eternal redemption. Okay, let's learn Sifches as well. But more specifically, this repetition twice. He's now going to say, Now he explained the repetition is, the Mishkan 
and its unification with God should be established. But the first establishment is in a manner where it's considered an outside influence. Second one is, you know, as we're dealing with one connection, the connection of Hashem and the Mishkan, but in two manners. One in a manner that there is a superpower from above making it happen. And the second Indian is that it should, it should become internalized, it should be from the bottom up, as we say. It should come from, the, from within. Now he's going to explain that it's actually speaking on two levels of the work of our hands. We have the work of our hands that we do in making a mishkan, in holiness, and then there is the, the, the everyday work in the hands, which means our, our, <coughs> our actions that we do for, our, for ourselves, things that we do for our earning a livelihood, any, all of our projects, even those that are not directly in, involved in a mitzvah, all of our projects, they too are, are, should be kind of neu, should have a nitzchias, should have a permanence, forever and ever. Knows the godly bracha should enter into the into all of our deeds, which is presenting more the idea that it's becoming chelik of the world. Not only when we're doing a holy thing, but even when we're doing what looks like a mundane thing, it should last forever. But pratis yoiserapi be a Rashi be careful that Rashi in his explanation on this double says. What does it say? Two times the work of our hands should be established. Aleph, the first one is Amalechas Mishkan Yisrael. He blessed the Jewish people on the work of the Mishkan. And he prayed that the Shechina should dwell upon their actions in the Mishkan. And one of them, that there should actually be a bracha in their own work, in their own businesses. He gave them a bracha that they should be successful in business. Whatever they do. That there's a double digabracha for Moshe. Um, that all of our Maisiyadenu should be eternal. What do we say, Maisiyadenu? Say Maisiyadenu in the Yonah Kedush. It should apply that when we do holy things, it shouldn't wear off, we shouldn't lose our enthusiasm and excitement like we know. Right? We, we take upon ourselves things, we get excited. In the beginning, we're gung-ho on it, and then it starts to wear off. So Moshe Rabbeinu gives a bracha, it should remain permanent. Like the work of the Mishkan. In our own private things. These are your own actions. In this is your own work. Which even though these are things that are connected to just regular conduct of the world, Moshe empowers them with the power of eternity. That they themselves should be firmly established. And to add, Tefillah L'Moshe is a chelik from Tefillah Shabbos. Tefillah L'Moshe, when do we say this? We say it on Shabbos. Al-Pizah is moving on based on this, it's understood. This Tefillah has a unique connection to Shabbos. And specifically since Tefillah is a chelik from Tefillah Moshe. Because, <coughs> first of all, it has a shaykh to Shabbos because we say Tefillah Moshe Shabbos morning. We don't say it during the week. In addition to that, the, when Moshe Rabbeinu started to pray over here, as we said earlier, he said 11 song, 11 Mizmoirim. And in continuation to, to Tefillah Moshe is Mizmoir Shiliyah Mashabbos. In the Yudal Mizmoirim, it's not the next one, I think, it's the one after that. Bizas by Moshe Bomach, now even though it's not really Moshe's Tefillah, as we said earlier, Mizmoir Shiliyah Mashabbos was authored by Adam Arishon. Which he sang the first, first Shabbos. 
But Moshe Rabbeinu, it was forgotten, it says, it got lost. And he <coughs> renewed the song Al Shamoy with his name. Because when we say Mizmar Shir Liyoyim HaShabbos, the Arizal says, he brings that you're supposed to have Kavana when you say these words, that the first letters of these four words make up Le Moshe. To Moshe. Rosh Tevis Le Moshe. What's the Shaykhs? So the Rebbe is going to show that in Shabbos itself it has these two qualities. We spoke earlier. Because regarding Shabbos it says, again, powers from beyond and at the same time very much integrated with normal, natural existence. Chazal say regarding to Shabbos, that everything about Shabbos is double. It's explained in many places. As they kefal is the tzvei dargesh te shabbos is bechol shabbos. That in every shabbos, because also everything about shabbos is double. What do we see? When the karbanis of shabbos <coughs> was two karbanis take of us. When Hashem gave the commandment on shabbos, zochar v'shomer it came in double. Uh, we take shabbos, we make two two breads, lechem mishnah. And these are the things that we see in Shabbos that there is double. But so in Hasidus it explains that the doubleness of Shabbos is because there's really two Shabbosim in every Shabbos. There's two levels, there's the two energies in Shabbos. Shabbos is rest, but there's two types of rest. One rising from below, and the other one a descending of rest from above. Two menuchas of Shabbos. Shabbos Friday night is an, is an elevation, it's a feminine Shabbos. It's going upward. Things are returning back to their source. Shabbos morning is more of a projection, an outward, a, 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 a more of a flow of energy from a deeper, higher place outward. Ma'ila Shabbat, Friday night, in Yom Shabbat, which in terms of rest, Friday night, you plop into your, you know, into your, you're like, ah, oh, Shabbos is here. So what are you really resting from? The rest is not an internal type of a resting. The rest is <coughs> the idea that you're not engaged what you're really feeling mostly is that I'm not doing the laborious activities I was doing during the week and now no more phone, no more WhatsApps, no more everybody hocking me in the whole world. I can like just relax. Right, so that's the ceasing to do. The rest is from work. But then there's another thing called deep rest. You're not, you're actually been out of, you know, now, you know, you've been out of work for already a week, two weeks. You're not, you're not, you're not fatumult, fayuktan, faplukt. You're not, right? So you're resting. But you decide to go in very deep to a place of true tranquility. You're like stopping everything. You're stopping, okay. Menucha be'etzim, essential menucha. I don't know what that is, because <laughs> they say what this means, menucha be'etzim. Al-derech t'chilik t'vishen sheim elokim. It's similar to the two names, elokim and avai. Elokim is the divine, but it's the godly powers that has a relationship to the creation. And then Havaya is the divine as it stands for itself. So Shabbos Friday night is still Shaykh to the name of Elohim. And Shabbos morning is already purely Havaya. And in Shabbos, they come together. Kofel. means it's not like the whole Shabbos is double. It's similar to the kefal that there is in the beginning of the Mizmah, Tefillah Moshe, which Tefillah Moshe we said before, Moshe is Havaya, the higher level of godliness. In Ishalukim, and Ishalukim, 
which as we said before, shaykh to the name of Elokim. It says Elokim. And Basiyam Amizmar, you also have the double. Which, which first of all, Noyam is Shabbos, because Noyam means pleasantness and pleasure. Shabbos is a day of pleasure. And regarding to that, Shabbos to get energy, that's godliness coming from above, that's Shayach, the same like Moshe, Havaya, the transcendental. Is from below. There is a manucha that has to do because of the toil that happened with the work of our hands. And Sai Manucha Be'etzem, essential manucha Oleinu, something that's beyond us. And then, and even more in general. So you have the two, the two, um, the two Maiseyadeinu that we said, that we get Shabbos is, has an impact on the work of Shabbos, which is the rest and everything of Shabbos, and also on the work of the week. That the, all the labor that we do in the week is elevated on Shabbos, is impacted by Shabbos. So that's like the more the Elohim and Havaya. You do all your work. This is higher. This is Oleinu. This is Shabbos, which is a transcendental day. Then when you're above your work. So you're not, that's why you're Oleinu. You're higher than it. And Shabbos, Bedugmas Moshe, is from Bundimit in Yenitzchias. And you take a find that in Shabbos, just like Moshe Rabbeinu, is also Nitzchias. There's the idea of eternity. We know that every Shabbos has a little bit of the time in which we're going to experience eternity. So every Shabbos has, that's why we know that Shabbos is magical. There's something that it does that no other type, no vacation, vacation, nothing can do to you what Shabbos does. Why? Because Shabbos, you're touching upon true eternity and real menucha, as we're going to see. That's when we're going to experience true menucha. Menucha nitzchis, eternal menucha. Because the rest that comes from, the, from working, it's like, you know, you rest, and since your whole concept of the rest is that you're not working, so, you know, two hours later, you're already antsy, you know. But if you're experiencing true rest, the deeper rest, that's not, that, that, that's... In the Giyula, and the Giyula, it comes, we're keeping two Shabbat, I think the Arichos of the Yerun Shabbos is because he's connecting this all to the idea of Shabbos HaGadol with the miracle of Maka and Shabbat Chareim. I don't have Koyach to continue, I'm really exhausted. Um, but I, this is so special, the rest of it. So we have to figure out a time when we're going to do it. I don't know when. I don't know when. When are we going to finish it? Bothers me not to finish it, but I don't have kayak. So we'll have to figure it out. Maybe Matzah Shabbos. I don't want to say I'll do it because I probably won't, but I want to do it. So if anybody, you want to learn it, learn it yourself. Spectacular. Because you start explaining now how this is all connected to the number 90. And we have to understand that this power is really the power, the same idea of the Rebbe was becoming 90. We're talking about the Rebbe power. We're talking about the, the, the Mashiach power. The ability to be in the world and be completely and infinite beyond it. Chaim. <laughs>